Stevenson to the outside. They score! From the left wing circle, Jack Eichel makes it 2-0 Vegas. Because one hour isn't enough, we welcome you back for hour number two of the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Carlson for Stone in front. He scores! Five, two nights. Mark Stone, two goals, one assist, three points. From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LBSportsNetwork.com with your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Put those sticks down. Let's drop the puck, win the draw to the backhand, and get going. Game four, Vegas Golden Knights against the Edmonton Oilers. Tonight, uh, we are looking forward to it. It's an 8 o'clock local faceoff in Edmonton tonight. So that's a little bit of a tweak. Boy, Vegas has been all over the place in start times uh, during this postseason going into game nine in the second round uh, of the uh, postseason overall tonight. So uh, that'll be a, a different look. Uh, Seven o'clock, uh, we're used to that here in Vegas. So the pregame show with Ryan Wallace comes your way in just under an hour uh, from now. Uh, plenty to get to in that. Uh, Darren Millard in Studio 31, or Ryan Wallace over at uh, Buffalo Wild Wing, right? I am. I'm hanging out at Buffalo Wild Wings, North Durango in the 215. It's right off the freeway. Um, I'm looking forward to just getting into into the action tonight. Obviously, I'll be here all night long, pregame, intermission, postgame show. Uh, we've got happy hour going until 6 o'clock. <laughs> I'm telling you, Darren, like they've got this special going on right now. You can get a burger and six boneless wings for just a dollar. What? Um, yeah, probably going to have to dig into that and, and, and really diversify the sauce on the wings. Like, I went with just hot the last time. I, I think I've got to go into, like, some ghost pepper territory, something like that, because uh, I'm, I'm expecting a spicy game tonight. I'm not sure I'm doing that knowing that I'm going on the air. Oh, I, I love the idea. I love your aggressiveness. Iron but stomach. as a broadcast professional, yeah. a tempting fate with that that could affect your on-air performance, I'm leaning towards being a little more conservative. Oh, come on now. You're fine. We I, I know to, you, like, I know you don't like spicy food. Nope. I, I know that, like, a jalapeno is too, too spicy for you. Like, that's too high on the Scoville scale. But, uh, you know, again, I, I think ghost pepper sauce, that's probably the direction I'm going tonight. Milk is too spicy for me. That's a good point. That's, that is basically where it comes uh, down to my level of tolerance. Uh, when it comes to goaltending, in Game 4 of the second-round series between the Pacific Division opponents Edmonton and Vegas, your matchup will be Aiden Hill against Stuart Skinner. Mm-hmm. Any surprise? I mean, I, I think... Certainly not on the Golden Knights side with, with Lorraine Brossois unavailable. I feel like, you know, obviously Aiden Hill as the backup over the last, you know, four or five games, that that's pretty clear that, that he's the, the next guy in. He's played well so far in this series, so I'm not surprised on, on Aiden Hill. Now, I do think that there is a, a conversation to have as to whether or not you go to Jack Campbell over Stuart Skinner, but I think that Jay Woodcroft has his guy, and his guy right now is Stuart Skinner, I think, from – from an upside perspective and just generally how he's played all season long, you go back to him. But I would be shocked if the leash isn't incredibly short. If Stuart Skinner's not on his game, I would expect the pull relatively early. Stuart Skinner making his 10th straight Stanley Cup playoff start, and he's managed to survive some adversity so far in these playoffs. Remember the broken stick incident 
against the Los Angeles Kings in which he coughed it up, but the Kings uh, managed to uh, put the puck in the net, and Edmonton was on the ropes, except they limited all action around Stuart Skinner, made it a non-factor, went down, scored, put the game uh, away. Here's another piece of adversity you may not have heard when it comes to Stuart Skinner. And the only other time that I've heard this was actually with a Vegas Golden Knight player, and it was in a unique situation, and it wasn't his fault. So Stuart Skinner goes on the road for Game 6, Edmonton, Los Angeles, and they win that game. What happens is Los Angeles decides, because they're going to open the second round in Vegas, they say, we're not going back to Edmonton for a couple of days and then flying back down here. We'll just, because we don't know when the series is going to start, we'll bide our time in Los Angeles. They went over to Santa Monica. They spent a couple of days in Southern California. Then they came to Vegas to start the series. Mm-hmm. All well and good. Nobody apparently told Stuart Skinner that that was a possibility. <laughs> and he only had one suit with him. Wow. Now, that gets out, and that's a funny story. He had to wear yeah. the same suit for Game 6 and then against Los Angeles and then Games 1 and 2 uh, against the Vegas Golden Knights. You right. can survive that. Sure. Here's the other part, though. Mm-hmm. If he's not planning to stay down because he only brings one suit, what else did he forget? Right. I'm pretty sure that he had to make a trip over to your local marshals or Target uh, in Santa Monica to pick up some uh, undergarments, let's call it that, or some casual clothing sure. uh, to get him through. So that's what kind of uh, weirdness that, that you do get at, at times in, in the Stanley Cup play. It's, what, it's why when uh, around trade deadline, guys will pack four or five suits if they right. know that they're going to be uh, on the move or there's a potential to be on the move. They might be going tr- just for a one-game road trip to Columbus, but they're taking four suits with them and some extra luggage because they may be traded during that uh, that stop and they won't be able to get back uh, for a couple of weeks or won't be able to get their clothes. But Stuart Skinner, yeah, he's uh, it's, uh, it's two things. Either he's aloof or he's right. really focused. He's mm-hmm. probably really focused. But uh, Oh, and remember the stick uh, I mentioned, the giveaway? Where, yeah. where the stick broke uh, on yeah, his yeah. pass, yeah. he kept that stick. Did he? Yeah, as a reminder uh, to him <laughs> uh, of, of, of the tough times. I think that I think that's pretty cool. Uh, that's I, awesome. I'm with you. Like Vegas is going with Aiden Hill. He's been spectacular. He stopped all 28 shots that he's faced in his two appearances in the last two games. Tonight, though, is his first ever Stanley Cup playoff start which is incredible uh, that he's getting this opportunity. It's why he loved the uh, the chance to play for the Vegas Golden Knights is for this specific uh, position. I normally would say, and Shane Nadi and I talked about this in the Realm Report earlier today in the VGK social media channels, uh, there, there's a big difference between coming in in relief and even in a tight game, coming in in relief, or knowing you're going to start and having a couple of days to think about it, uh, right. and and things will start rattling around in your gut, and you're like uh, your heart starts beating a little faster. That's always the case where I think it's more challenging to start than just go in and survive. Yeah. Except with Aiden Hill, <laughs> like this guy is just so just relaxed, and and Brassois is stoic. Yeah. Like nothing gets to him. But you look back, and, and my wife was uh, 
Jen, who, who listens to the show all the time, was pointing out uh, it went, when he went in the other night against Edmonton in the third period uh, at T-Mobile Arena, he just leans back on the crossbar. There's yeah. chaos all around him. There's some scraps. There's some uh, being pedaled, uh, pelted, pelted with shots. And he's just like, eh, whatever. Like, he, he is a perfect guy to go into this situation taking over from Lauren Bersois. Yeah, I mean, you know, the the difference between coming in and relief versus starting, it's it's reaction it's just kind of reacting to the moment as opposed to deliberately thinking about what your preparation is going to be going into a game. But as you mentioned and point out, I, I don't think that there's too much difference in how Aiden Hill approaches the game as to what we've seen out of Lauren Brossois and that it's very much go with the flow. It's very much be water in certain situations. And, you know, I think that's the mental makeup that you have to have in this situation. This is a big moment for Aiden Hill. Of course, I'm expecting some nerves, but the fact that he's already gotten about 60 minutes in this series and he's played well should calm him down in that regard. And outside of that, I don't even know that he gets upset or or too high or nervous because from what we've seen out of Aiden, nothing seems to rattle him. No, no. He, he has a skewed view on reality sometimes. <laughs> and I'm, I'm, I'm having some fun with this. Uh-huh. And this is a personal conversation that Aiden and I have had. Yeah. Uh, and this is where my declaration that he's got a skewed view uh, on reality. Aiden loves to golf. And he's decided that uh, he's going to uh, break 80. This is last last summer. He's going to regularly break 80. That's hard to do. Uh, when when uh, He doesn't take any lessons. He's self-taught. Yeah. And he's going to going to break 80. He goes out and he does it. And I think yeah. his lowest score was, was 74, uh-huh. uh, which, which, which is awesome. Again, never taken a lesson. He tells me a couple of weeks ago that he's going to break par uh, on the golf course this summer. And I said, "Well, you're going to have to get into the lessons. Like, that's a big, that's a big jump. Breaking 80 is one thing, uh, but that uh, going down to par—that's a whole another uh, level of of commitment and execution. Like, and and professional golfers all have coaches." Oh, so they, they get lessons all the time, coaching all, all the time. I'm like, hey, why wouldn't you take a lesson? He goes, I don't want to. I'll just, I'll just do it myself. I'll, yeah. I'll do it. Yeah. I'm like, y- y- you can't do that. He's like, no, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to do it. We went yeah. back and forth. Me oh, telling him, you can't do it. Well, and him saying, I'm just going to go do it. Right. And, and he's got this, this confidence in himself. It's just, he'll just go out and do it. And, and I shouldn't question that no. other than I've never heard it happening before. Uh, where you never get a golf lesson and you just go out and you break par. But uh, seeing somebody get thrown into the fire in the Stanley Cup playoffs and just being able to do it, that's unusual too. Uh, Goaltenders, like heroes are made in the playoffs when it comes to goaltenders and the the Stanley Cup postseason. He's he's following through on that, and uh, he is the next man up. Uh, Vegas got eight starts out of Lauren Bressois. Another injury. Here comes Aiden Hill, who was spectacular when they had to lean on him. And I loved his save, diving across the other night, getting the blocker on it. Yeah. Uh, and it just showed a level of athleticism that uh, you don't see all the time out of Aiden Hill because he's so positionally really stable. Uh, that's an element of his game that I think he's, he's grown uh, throughout the year, being able to react to things in, in that situation. Desperation breeds brilliance. But some guys, they can't be desperate because they're so structurally bound. Uh, I, we've seen some, some real uh, versatility in, in Aiden Hill's game. Yeah, he's, in my estimation, he's 
really come along over the course of this season. And, you know, the fact that he's he's been able to make some of those, you know, flashier saves in certain moments, key situations, like that's an evolution of a goaltender. And the fact of the matter is I think that you, you combine that with the ability to just kind of go in, play your game, not be bothered by situations that are going to arise. We heard it with Brossois going into this series. We know that Edmonton's going to score goals. You can't get too hung up on that simple fact. Um, I think that the Golden Knights, there's not going to be too much of a drop-off between what they were getting at from Brossois and what they're getting with Hill. And, um, you know, as much as we're talking about the physical, I think we're talking about the mental as well. Up front, the Golden Knights will and are expected to go with the same configuration, uh, same number, uh, same forwards. Uh, they're going with uh, with twelve and six, uh, and the same line combinations for this game four against the Edmonton Oilers. I, I was going through the the numbers uh, today, just from from a goal scoring and and comparing these teams. Edmonton, like Drysaddle, right now is the guy that's kind of throwing it out of whack, and and McDavid's in there. Uh, with 15 points in nine games, but Drysdale's got the 13 goals in yeah, nine games. Yeah. That's that's record setting, uh, n- never before uh, seen. But then you start factoring in uh, and looking at the Golden Knights side of it, and Chandler Stevenson leads this team through the first eight games with six goals. Really, really strong start to the postseason, mm-hmm. but he's only one ahead of Jack Eichel. Right. And then you've got a few guys with four goals in Mark Stone, Ivan Barbashev, and William Carlson. Yeah. So there's five guys with at least four goals uh, on, on the on the Vegas Golden Knights. You know how many people have at least four goals on the Edmonton Oilers? Two. Connor McDavid and, and, and Leon Dreisaitl. Right. So <laughs> next time somebody tries to tell me uh-huh. that the Edmonton Oilers are more than just those two, can you just take this and play it for me? No. And so I don't have do to that. bother I'm not uh, getting up my soapbox again. There's contributions from others. Like Bouchard's got three. And and he's, he's points, made it work on the, point, work on, work on, the power play. How many points Zach does Evan Bouchard have? Evan Bouchard uh, has got three. Evan Bouchard has 14 points. Yeah. Evan Bouchard would lead the Golden Knights right now in points. He'd be tied for the lead, yeah. No, no, no. He wouldn't be tied for the lead. He would oh, lead the Golden points, yeah. Knights in points. But but we're talking goal scoring. So I'm please, saying it's please, reductionist people. to Evan Bouchard, Don't. who's been very, very good, to say that they are just Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. I'm expecting that at some point, Zach Hyman and Ryan Nugent Hopkins will start going for Edmonton. What's Boy, somebody sounds like they're awfully thin-skinned in this conversation. I didn't bring you up at all. Uh-huh. Well, let's uh, let's take a break and uh, go over to Bruce Cassidy. Uh, here is uh, the head coach's conversation with the media ahead of Game 4 tonight. We, we know in a Game 4, after you beat them up a little bit, there's going to be a pushback there. Is there anything you can actually say to truly prepare them for the pushback? No, we got a veteran group. They understand the ebbs and flows of a series. So um, I think our job is more about how are they going to push back. So how can we be prepared for that, get out in front of it, um, help us win, uh, knowing what's coming. So now they may make a few adjustments along the way that are different, and then you in-game you, you always do your, you know, your eyes and ears 
I don't tell you what you need to do, do better. But that's how I'd approach it. Like I said, our, our guys know. Listen, we're guys have been in a lot of playoff series. Um, that's how you have to prepare yourself, assuming they're going to be better. We said that yesterday. We, we want to be better as well. We want to keep playing better hockey. Um, so that, that, that's the task in front of us. We, we saw Yuri Patera out there. Um, do you have any update on Versois? Uh, yeah, listen, I can't tell you how long he's going to be out until we get back to Vegas in our medical team season, but he's not dressing tonight. Quickie will be the backup. Hill will start, and I'll be able to give you more once we get back there. Um, getting a chance to go up 3-1 on the road, does that put maybe more pressure on the home team than it does for you guys? You guys look like a pretty loose bunch. and How do you kind of approach this? Yeah, I mean, Edmonton's been around, too. I mean, they know what's at stake. Again, um, to answer your question, Probably a little bit, but I don't think it's going to affect them other than they know that they've got to be better. Just like when we weren't very good in game two, we knew we had to be better. I think that's the only thing that's going through their heads right now. They're not calculating the odds of series tied, even ahead, whatever behind. That's just my my feeling. You were uh, one of, the, if not the least penalized teams in the league in terms of giving up power plays to the other teams. What What quality... Bring you know brings that out in your group, and how much are you benefiting from that in a series against a power play like this? Well, the qualities are we're, we're not a uh, retaliatory team. We seldom take you know a penalty that guys get frustrated or, or, or lose their cool. So that's one thing. Veteran group will do that. I think we do a good job checking with our feet. We don't get a lot of those sticks parallel penalties. Nick Waugh got one in the game two, I believe it was. So we tend to avoid those. And um, after that, I think it's hockey IQ as well. I think we do have a smart group that's been around. Um, and, you know, they try not to uh, put themselves in bad spots, take penalties that are a good teammates would take, sticking up for a teammate, uh, preventing goals. That's what we try to do. It doesn't always work out that way. But um, so that's probably the best answer I could give you there. Um, you said probably composure leads into those non-retaliatories. Like I said, we don't have a lot of guys that are hotheads, so to speak, that go off the grid or the, um, off the page in terms of how we want to play. So we've avoided those types of situations. Bruce, this team has played so well on the road all year. What, what's been the key to that? Four lines, 6D. Uh, we don't chase matchups very often. We will if we have to. Uh, so guys know they're going over the boards. They need to give us... You know, listen, Eichel, Stevenson probably get closer to 18, 19, Mark Stone in our fourth line, but they sh- our fourth line should, before playing the way we're supposed to, staying out of the box, they should be at 10 or 12 minutes every night, giving us good good minutes, whoever they're matched up against. And I think they pride themselves on doing their part. Again, goes to the veteran group, so they don't they don't get phased by things that happen on the road, uh, crowd noise, maybe a call that doesn't go your way, things like that. Um, that's probably the, the biggest reason. Um, that I can think of. We always talk about both teams wanting to play their best game. With the way the styles are in this series, is it possible for both teams to play their best game in the same game? Probably not, right? Because they're the most dynamic offensive team, and we, we want to take that away from them. So if we're taking it away from them, they're probably leaving the rink saying, well, we didn't get to our game, right? But... You know, I don't know if we've seen a game yet where both teams are truly at their best, and who, you know, who's going to make the the, the difference-making play. Right? And usually, as the series goes on, you see more of those games. There's a little bit of back and forth early, establishing your territory, and and eventually you just get to hockey, and and 
your complaining's done on both sides and you're just playing, right? So that, that's what I probably see a closer game like that tonight, I would guess. I don't know. I don't have a crystal ball, but I would assume that's their goal is to be the best version of themselves now, right? Our goal is, okay, this is how we've won. We've got to be the best version of ourselves. So I, I, I anticipate you'll see teams get to that level. And uh, like I said, that's what usually happens in a competitive series, and this is all of that. Your, your team has scored a lot of answer goals in this series after they've scored, even after the goal was called back. Um, the other night you scored basically right after it. Is there anything different you've noticed in, in the mentality of them heading over the boards after? No, I think we, it goes back to maybe that qu- the question earlier about why we play well on the road. It's composure a little bit. We know that you can't let them string together two, three, four goals in the road because they tend to be able to close it off. Uh, so we're pretty good at that. We've talked about that all year. We focus on the next shift. Uh, in this particular case, the next game, um, whatever's in front of you. And I, I think we have done a good job at that, not letting uh, the, uh, discipline again from the earlier question, not letting stuff get to us. Let's focus on what we gotta, where, where we got to go to, not where we've been. And, and I think our team does a good job at that. Bruce Cassidy discussing uh, the events leading up to Game 4 tonight. You'll be able to hear the game uh, just after 7 o'clock on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Pre-game show with Ryan Wallace at the uh, top of the hour. One th- area that we've discussed that has been different from the regular season has been the play in the second period. This is a Golden Knights team that has allowed more first-period goals than they've scored. That's different. But yeah. they've responded with a plus-9 goal ratio in the second period yeah i don't know that i have any any reason to kind of explain the difference from vegas in in the playoffs in the second period versus what they were in the regular season outside of i just i think that over time in the in the regular season the golden knights second periods were not as lopsided as they were at the beginning of the year i think to me it's just a kind of a team that is growing into their game or has grown into their game all season long and you know we got closer and closer to those 60 minute games that coaches talk about all the time and and this is now a golden knights team that is is finding ways in the second period to make that an impactful period and uh, whether it's taking advantage of the long change or not i'm not too sure playing you know a, a, a responsible brand of hockey kind of opening up doors for them. But I think for the Golden Knights and certainly fans of this team, you like that differential in the second period because you start to get into into overtime games and and maybe those tendencies can kind of lean your way when it comes to overtime extra periods and and when everything's heightened a little bit more. Vegas has played eight playoff games so far. Mm -hmm. Five of them have been decided by three goals or more. That's just wacky. Yeah. In in a in a league that trumpets parity as one of its great great values. And that still exists. You've got the Florida Panthers knocking on the door of being into the uh third round and they were the last team to qualify for the postseason and they were 17th overall. There's still a ton of that. The Boston Bruins record-setting uh, regular season uh out in 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 the in the first round. That parity's still there, but Five of the eight games being decided by three goals or more, you just don't don't normally see that uh, come the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, and, it, and it gives you an idea of just how much uh, offense there is to be told. And there's nobody better 
at scoring goals than the Edmonton Oilers. Mm -hmm. And that is, uh, you take that to the bank, put it in there, and get uh, some great interest, and you're not going to be in any danger of losing your savings. Except, uh, every now and then, a bank goes under. So I said that. They're the best offensive team in the National Hockey League. Yeah. 3.9 goals per game for the Edmonton Oilers. The exact same number as the Vegas Golden Knights in a goals-per-game scenario. Right. Yet everything is about the Edmonton Oilers, and Vegas has talked about depth. We have to realign our viewpoint of depth. It doesn't mean defense. It means you get a lot of goals from a lot of different places. And I I put myself in the same category uh, of having to redefine how I look at the Vegas Golden Knights' depth. It's not defensive. It's not just shut you down. Depth is scoring a ton of goals. Dreisaitl and McDavid and everybody else score 3.9 goals per game. The Vegas Golden Knights with Stone, Eichel, Marcheseau, uh, 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 Shea Theodore, uh, Alex Petrangelo, uh, William Carlson, uh, they score 3.9 goals per game. Yeah, I, I mean, I... I don't view depth as just being defensively responsible. I view depth and depth scoring specifically as an ability to get offense from everywhere. And but I, you I think don't think of it, and I, I'll, I'll challenge you on this, you don't think of it as being in the same stratosphere as the most elite power play and uh, the two best players in the National Hockey League. There, there would be a drop-off there. I mean... Simply because you've got Leon Dreisaitl scoring 13 goals in the first nine games of the yeah. playoffs. Like, that's going to grab all the attention. Just like you don't look at how prolific and, and how well the Golden Knights scored in the regular season when they didn't have a 30-goal score, but you've got Connor McDavid ripping off 64 goals. Yeah, there's a discrepancy in how you view it, but I don't think at any point in time this year I, I looked at depth for the Golden Knights as an inability to score. I think it's just spreading your scoring out on a night-to-night basis. The idea that they're the same number of goals per game is extraordinary. And it's surprising. Uh, th- those, those two things can walk hand in hand when you consider the dynamic ability of Edmonton, what they've been able to do so far in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, I-, I was surprised when I saw that it was the exact same number of, of goals for, uh, per game. Uh, the Oilers and the Vegas Golden Knights uh, will get underway uh, at 7 o'clock. Uh, looking forward to game number four in this swing game where it's either 3-1 for Vegas or it's 2-2 coming back to Game 5. By the way, tickets are going to be released uh, or have been released uh, for Game Number 5 by the National Hockey League and the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, so there's some more uh, inventory available. Uh, We talked about that uh, in in the last series. So if, if you're uh, thinking that it's sold out uh, for Friday night, uh, get on board with the VegasGoldenKnights.com uh, because you just might be able to get into the building as, as well as being able to listen to the game uh, or, or watch the game uh, on, on television. So wouldn't that be amazing? And it could be a clinching situation. What has to go right for Vegas tonight, uh, Ryan, in order to put themselves in a position to be able to wrap it up on Friday night? Well, I, what needs to go right, I, I think the Golden Knights have to have the puck more often than the Edmonton Oilers. And I know that sounds really simple, but when Vegas has played in the offensive zone below the goal lines, they have frustrated the Edmonton Oilers' key players. They have forced Leon Dreisaitl to play defense, Connor McDavid to play defense, and that is not where those players want to be. 
So, I mean, puck management's important. You obviously don't want to give up odd man rushes going back the other way, but the most important thing that Vegas can do is have more possession down low in the offensive zone. I think if they do that, they're going to win the game. Against the Winnipeg Jets, we talked a lot about breaking their will, and mm-hmm. that really did happen in Game 4. It, yeah. it, you could make an argument it happened uh, in double overtime uh, by Michael Amadio scoring in game number three. But taking that 3-1 series lead with as beat up as, as the Winnipeg Jets were, uh, you saw the result. Uh, their will was broken before they even traveled to Vegas for game five of that set. I don't think Edmonton's will is broken if Vegas wins tonight. And it's the same situation, a 3-1 series lead for the Vegas Golden Knights. But I will add that you can turn the screw significantly on an individual, and that individual would be the goaltender in Stuart Skinner. Yeah. How does he react? Uh, McDavid, Dreisaitl, there's still danger there. There's still opportunity for them to be dynamic and come back and, and really uh, force the series to a six-game or, or a seven-game uh, should, should Vegas win. But if you can get to Stuart Skinner, one of the two goaltenders uh, for the for the Edmonton Oilers and the only goaltender that started. I think that would be, uh, in a lot of ways, the equivalent of what they did against the, the Winnipeg Jets uh, after Game 4 of that first-round series. Just making it a debate or a louder debate as to yeah. what the Edmonton Oilers will do in goal for Game number 5 would be huge for the Golden Knights. If there are question marks as to whether or not you have to go to Jack Campbell in Game number 5 in a situation where the season is on the line, that's a win for the Vegas Golden Knights. I'm right there with you. And the uh, trade deadline acquisition by Kelly McCrimmon to acquire Jonathan Quick. Yeah. it It was genius during the regular season when Thompson was back out, and Aiden Hill went down on that uh, five-game road trip. And Jonathan Quick had to step in and uh, blank the Carolina Hurricanes and yep. was all-world uh, in, in, uh, on that road trip. What, what's the summarization of the trade value now that we've got Bersois out and Aiden Hill is the starter? He's played three periods in, in the last couple of months. Uh, and but has been practicing, so he, so he looks good. Uh, also got two periods with the Henderson Silver Knights. Uh, the the idea that you do have some insurance there, the way goaltenders have been hurt, is even magnified more. It it absolutely is, and it's not a bad thing that the insurance policy that that you've got right now in Jonathan Quick has won two Stanley Cups and knows what it is uh, to win in the playoffs. So it, it, you're you're right. Like the the Golden Knights are probably not playing this game in Edmonton. This is probably a game that happens in Vegas if that trade didn't happen for Jonathan Quick. He helped this team win the division, win the conference, and for that, um, I I think the trade was fantastic. But now you've got a two-time Stanley Cup champion on the bench ready to go if needed. That's huge. We'll take a break. We'll come back with one-timers, news and notes from around the National Hockey League. Update you on the early game taking place as the Toronto Maple Leafs try to extend and uh, save their season in Game 4 against the Florida Panthers, as well as a couple of other notes uh, that we uh, want to make sure that you're up to date on. It's the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Carlson left corner, centered, one-timer, score! It's time for one-timers. one-timers. A quick look at news and notes from around the National Hockey League. Brought to you by Paul Padalaw. It's not about the injury, it's about the recovery. 
All right, let's get into a developing situation. Uh, the uh, Philadelphia Flyers are naming a new president, and the uh, new president is going to be, according to Elliot Friedman, announced tomorrow, and it yep. will be former Philadelphia Flyer, current TBS Turner broadcaster Keith Jones. Yeah. And the Keith Jones uh, decision to uh, name a general manager will be relatively simple in removing the interim tag on Daniel Breer. Uh, Keith Jones is a buddy of mine. Uh, we've texted back and forth. Uh, I can't tell you what has been said, but I can uh, give you a strong suggestion that Elliot Friedman is on the mark. So you uh, cannot confirm or deny. Nope. But I will not confirm can... or deny, but uh, but I am very confident in Elliot Friedman's reporting on that. Well, good right. job. Good uh, job, Elliot. Go. Uh, well good done. Good job, Elliot. Uh, good job, uh, Friedman. Uh, appreciate that. Uh, there you go. Uh, that's uh, You know what's funny? I didn't know Keith was interested in that side of it. Mm-hmm. I'd heard Eddie Olchek's name uh, for a while, and yeah. he's gone down a path on a couple of different teams. Uh, and and looked at this opportunity, the lead analyst uh, for Turner, and those two are good buddies, uh, Jonesy and and Edzo. But uh, this, the Jones side of it is is news to me, and uh, I love it. He he hasn't been uh, as busy during this postseason as I anticipated, and there was a couple of games stretches where he wasn't there, but he did a radio game, and I thought, well, what's going on with Jonesy? Yeah. And this kind of fits with it. There's probably some meetings and some uh, preparation to, uh, to uh, propose uh, to the uh, the board or the ownership group of, of the Philadelphia Flyers in, in uh, trying to uh, acquire this job. Uh, he is a great Philadelphia Flyer and an even keel guy and has done a great job for a lot of years as a broadcaster. So uh, pumped for Keith Jones. Uh, should it be announced? And I'm confident. <laughs> that, uh, that Elliot Friedman is on the mark uh, with that reporting. Hey, uh, some uh, some action earlier tonight that uh, is taking place, and they're into the second period between the Philadelphia or so the, the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Florida Panthers. Yeah, and the Maple Leafs trailing this series three games to none. Right, trying to avoid being swept, and on the road against the Panthers are leading. Mm-hmm. One to nothing on a goal by William Nylander, his third of the playoffs. Florida is on the power play. Uh, this is uh, this is gut check time <laughs> for the for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Now uh, they're they're one of three franchises, four franchises that that have come back from a three nothing series deficit. Sure. So that, that that's happened in the past. None of these players, obviously, uh, but uh, and, but they're also a team that can score so much that is so dynamic against a team that. Uh, that has had its trials and tribulations. I wouldn't stroke it out of the realm of possibility that this series goes deep. It's still going to be a challenge. they got to win four straight sure. against the Florida Panthers. The odds are that Florida can somehow find a way to win one of those games. Uh, and they've had trouble, Toronto, also keeping leads, which is where they are right now. So I'll be I'll be fascinated to uh, to see how this thing is going to play out. Now I have an interview scheduled tomorrow for the Chirp Podcast uh, that is largely based on Florida winning this series and <laughs> and a lot of reaction on on winning this series. It would go much better uh, if Florida won this series uh, based on that uh, that interview that's scheduled. So yeah. I, I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't be disappointed if the Panthers came back and ended this set uh, tonight. Uh-oh. 
I, I'm dealing with Toronto Maple Leaf fatigue. Um, I'm at a point right now where I just don't want to hear about the Leafs anymore. So I, I am kind of I, – I don't have as much on it you know, on the line as you do with, you know, the Chirp podcast and your mystery guest tomorrow and, and how important it is for the Panthers to win for that to be a good interview. But I will say – that I I just don't want to hear about the Leafs anymore. So I'm hoping yeah, they take up a lot of oxygen, and that the uh, Panthers can get it done. I said that in round number one. Like it's, it's like none of the other playoffs exist. Yeah, because they just uh, they take up so much attention. Uh, Carolina Hurricanes on the verge of advancing to the third round, the conference finals, after a convincing six-one win of the New Jersey Devils. Uh, six unanswered goals by the Carolina Hurricanes. Uh, Carolina is the betting favorite right now to win the Stanley Cup. Uh, at current odds, uh, it goes Carolina from what I saw today, uh, and then it goes Florida because they're up 3 nothing, and then you get into Vegas and, and Edmonton. But uh, Carolina Hurricanes have done a number through the first uh, two rounds of the Stanley Cup postseason with all kinds of different storylines, and to think that we didn't know whether they could score enough because mm-hmm. of the injuries and the lack of action of the trade deadline, they've been effective. They, they really have. I mean, you know, when you when you kind of bank on Max Pacioretty for the entirety of the year, he comes back, plays five games, gets re-injured, and, and you don't have Pacioretty. Then you lose Andre Svechnikov. I, I think the world of the player and, and the, the dynamic ability that he has. And then you also lose Tevo Teravainen in, in round number one. Like, you start to really question whether or not they've got the, the ability to put the puck in the back of the net. But when you look at the makeup of the team and, and the way that they get it done – it's not dissimilar from the Golden Knights. They are a deep, deep team that has players on all of their lines that can score, and Brent Burns is playing some phenomenal hockey. So when you've got those recipes uh, there, I think that the Carolina Hurricanes are proving that they can cook. Uh, good uh, odds that Carolina will advance based on history. Yeah. 5-0. and oh. Never lost in five times when leading a series three games to one. New Jersey Devils have been down three games to one 11 occasions. And they have one win, so uh, that uh, that those are the odds. Uh, some of the little uh, history parts that uh, that influence all of our thinking. Uh, we also have Seattle falling back into a tie with the Dallas Stars. That's two two, and that series has been wild back and forth. The, Seattle made a bit of a push last night. They did. Do, yeah. do you think that makes any impact on the psyche of the Dallas Stars uh, going forward in game number five? I think that. It's less to do with Dallas outside of maybe Jake Ottinger and more to do with Seattle that, like, even if they're not playing particularly well, even if they don't get a ton of chances, they can still find a way to put the puck in the back of the net. It was a better game from Ottinger. He wasn't tested a ton um, until he was and, and still gave up a couple of goals. So, like, I think that it's more in the realm of, you know what, Seattle just has to bring that energy. But the question is, can they play at that pace night in and night out when you're playing every other day? They've been really good off of an extra day's rest, but not as crisp as you'd want them to be when they're playing every other day. Uh, Jake Ottinger looked really confident last night in a couple of. I know that there's a couple of pucks got uh, through and, and by him, but he made some big time saves in crunch time where he looked really confident and aggressive. I liked uh, really what I saw from that side of it. Uh, we've got some finalist uh, news, and this involves the Ted Lindsay Award. This That's the league MVP 
Award as voted by the players themselves. So every player gets to uh, cast a vote uh, from the NHLPA. And it's not the Hart Trophy for league MVP, but it's the MVP as voted by the players. And the finalists are Eric Carlson from the San Jose Sharks with an incredible 100-point season as a defenseman. David Pasternak from the regular season of champion President Trophy winning Boston Bruins. And Connor McDavid with his 150-point season uh, this year uh, for the for the Edmonton Oilers. Not sure that you can necessarily dispute any of those uh, with the great talents of Pasternak and McDavid up front and just a, a comeback season for Eric Carlson. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't have any issue with uh, with the three players that are finalists there. I, there's really not much more you can say about Eric Carlson the season he had, especially when we kind of felt like that type of year was, was far behind him. Uh, McDavid is outstanding and deserves to be in the running for the most outstanding player as voted by the players. Um, and then David Pasternak should be on a lot of people's ballots for the Hart Trophy. So I, I don't have any issue with that whatsoever. Nikita Kucherov had a great year himself, but imagine Pasternak. 61 goals. Yeah. Runaway with the best season in league history mm-hmm. by his Boston Bruins. Yep. And you're not going to walk away with this postseason with anything. Mm-hmm. Nothing. You, you, you lost in the first round of the of the playoffs to the Florida Panthers, and you're up against Connor McDavid, who put up his own record-setting uh, performance uh, with with the Edmonton Oilers. That's that's a tough pill to swallow for an individual like David Pasternak. Sixty-one goals. He couldn't even lead the league. Well, at least they won the President's Trophy. Yeah, uh, and that's a fragile trophy. You got you, you can't take that thing on the barge and, and throw it around like the like the Stanley Cup. That yeah. thing is uh, is yeah. very delicate. Uh, but those are your uh, one timers news notes from around the National Hockey League. Catching up with Jared next on Fox Sports Las Vegas. That was one timers. One timers brought to you by Paul Pata Law. It's not about the injury; it's about the recovery. We're back to the Findlay Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Here's Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Ooh, yeah, getting it up and ready to go for game four. Golden Knights and Edmonton Oilers. Vegas leads it 2-1 as we catch up with Jared Justice. Uh, How have you enjoyed your couple of days working with us? I mean, I always enjoy it. There's always at least one major mistake, and I uh, got it out of the way. And uh, besides that, it's always it's always a good time. I wish we weren't subject to government uh, like censorship because the in between the commercial show is almost more entertaining than the one that we put on the air. You can say it's more entertaining. It's not almost. It's more, more problematic. It's more, it's more entertaining for sure. There's there's definitely more uh, material that makes me kind of go. Well, we could talk about we could talk about that on the air, but uh, it'd be our last show. Mm-hmm. I have no idea what you guys are talking about. It's just regular discussion. Ah, uh, it's because you forgot already. Huh? Yeah. Well, I yeah, am checking uh, the curves. Uh, check. Yeah. Uh, well, that that happens uh, a year ago at this time. I was certainly going through that. Uh, uh, listen, um, we really do appreciate. It. Will you be here for the rest of the week, or is this our last program with you, Jared? You've got me tomorrow, and then I am leaving on a jet plane. To beautiful Kansas. Really? 
flat, flat-ass Kansas. What are you doing there? Uh, we have a family reunion. Uh, nice. After we had to have three funerals for my grandmother, we all decided, oh. like, man, we should probably get together more often instead of just when somebody dies. What do you mean three funerals for one person? Uh, okay, we have about a minute, so I'll try to do yeah. this quickly. Uh, several members of the family, be- due to legal issues, do not like other members of the family, and then several members of of the opposite side of the family don't like those members of the family yes. because of a farm oh. that was sold in, I bleep you not, sold the farm. 1937. Hold oh, on, wow. hold on, hold on. Can I come to this family reunion? Because this sounds like one of the greatest weekends ever. Jared, this is like, like something's going to happen good yeah. here. You guys have 30 seconds. This is outstanding. Are you so, Kevin Costner in this situation? Uh, probably my dad would be Kevin Costner in this wow. situation. Who are you? I haven't ever seen Yellowstone. Is there a guy that gets into a lot of fights but doesn't win? Uh, I think <laughs> probably. Uh, the Golden Knights trying to Ken put a stranglehold on this second-round series against Edmonton. The pregame show with Ryan Wallace is coming up on Fox Sports Las Vegas. Enjoy the game tonight.